Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earle. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is episode 93 of season seven, and I'm here with Rob McLennan of Above Ground Press. Welcome, Rob. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. So, um, yeah, this is part of a, a series I'm doing this year on talking to small presses primarily. So, um, cool. That's why you're here. Well, other than it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm glad I have a reason to. So um, here's my little opener. I've known Rob McLennan for more years than I recall. Along the way, he's been incredibly supportive of my work while also being critical enough to help me get on the right track when I was clearly way off, talking about zombie poems especially. Mm. <laughs> in the 20 years of, <clears throat> there goes my voice. In the 29 years of Above Ground Press, Rob has published a huge number of chapbooks and broadsides along with several, several other publications, such as the Peter F. Yacht Club, Touch the Donkey, Guest, and Report from the, I don't know what you call it, Report from the Something Society, Someone Society. Well, it's the Report from the so Society series, right? Okay, the Report from the Society series. I have a question mark there because I was going to ask you, what do we call it? Okay, and a host of other stuff online as well as under his own name or the name of the press. Rather than do a typical, what can you tell listeners about yourself and the press, small press opening question series, I'm going to not start from the beginning, rather what's going on now. So above ground press turned 29 July. What is the same and what do you see as different about the press from what you foresaw back in July of 1993 when you were imagining it, or you were probably imagining it before July of 1993? Uh, well, I actually have resources now and um, I, you know, so I don't have to wait like six months to make one thing. Uh, and I have a fairly large subscriber list. So even if I don't sell a single copy of something, there's 160 wow. paid subscribers, uh, which means about 180 copies go out into the world, not including the author copies. Uh, so, you know, that's something. Um, I think the, the books get a certain amount of attention in a way, obviously, they didn't over the first decade um, because I just have such... Uh, a wide, diverse uh, field to send the notices out to, like between social media and emails and that kind of thing. Um, so I, th I think when when I make a publication now, it's it's known in a certain kind of way, uh, even if it's not necessarily seen or purchased. Uh, people are aware of it, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Actually, I remember those email lists early early on, getting getting the your email lists of all the things going on. And now we don't use those so much anymore because we have uh, we have all the other ways of of uh, getting in touch with people. I, I still have an email list though of above ground stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have email lists for 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 Angel House Press and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. So, what is it about the chapbook that you love? Because that's the primary publication type of the press uh i like that they're inexpensive and they can be done fairly quickly uh i can i can accept something on one day you know design the the next and get basically take it and get it back to the printer within a matter of days um i i like that it it is uncomplicated and inexpensive enough that it can re it can react fairly quickly um much you know and it's physical i like it, it i like the physical object of the book uh and you know it's 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 reactive in a way that uh, a lot of internet allows right like something happens you can talk you can post something about it immediately you don't have to wait like a month you don't have to wait like a season you know it can be done immediately so i really like that i like that chapbooks are inexpensive enough that people can trade them or just give them away uh that there is sort of a, a network that uh, chapbooks are allowed into because of that uh, economy. Like I can't afford to give away books. Most people can't afford to give away oh, books, no. right? So uh, chapbooks have a different kind of distribution because of that. 
And I really like that. I like that I can just make fairly inexpensive things. And then, you know, when I have a new author and I'm sending them copies of their chapbook, I can just load in like other yeah. chapbooks I've made because it doesn't really cost much for me to be able to do that. And then suddenly they've got like 30 publications by authors they've never heard of, you know. So that's kind of fun. I like I like being able to do that because that's not something we could have done through Chaudière. No. That's you know, right. anyone we published, we certainly weren't in a position to be able to just hand hand over our entire backlist. That's it. That's right. I, I for for bywords with the uh, New Love Award um, chapbook series, I always give all the members, like all the volunteers, get every every copy of every chapbook from the series, as well yeah, as that's pretty nice. all, the, all the people who um, all of the. Um, like uh, anyone who wins or gets an honorable mention always gets as all the copies that aren't sold out already, but you know, so right. there's like 23 of them so far. So it's not like above ground press where there's like, I don't know. Have you ever, have you counted? Do you know how many, do you have a number? I guess you do have numbers on them. Don't you? Do, do you know how many? You've 1,206. 1,206. I've made 1,206 publications. <laughs> so that's probably you know, that's probably leaning near 400 broadsides. That's 43 or 44 issues of Touch the Donkey. That's probably uh, 500 chapbooks, right. maybe 600 chapbooks. You know, and issues of Peter F. Yacht Club are in there and issues yeah. of, uh, you know, various other journals. Like the Stanzas is in there, 45 issues of Stanzas. But no, I so I keep uh, I keep a list. So I'm making about between sixteen eighty things a year. I know it's a lot, and and uh, that subscription service is a really great um, great thing. What made you? How did you come up with the idea of that? And what made you? Uh, why did you decide to do that? Um, I was hanging out with Gary Geddes uh, back when he was still in Dunvegan. So around like 93 or 94 or something like that. Um, so he didn't live that far away from my parents. So I, I would go to visit the farm with my daughter, Kate, and I would leave Kate with my mom and I borrow mom's car and drive the, you know, eight kilometers or whatever to Gary's house and hang out with Gary. And um, he told me that subscriptions kept Quadrant Editions Alive. Quadrant Editions is the press he founded that uh, he eventually turned into Cormorant. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he said that that's how the press stayed afloat financially for the first bunch of years. And he recommended that. So I just started doing that around 94. So that was, so that was simple. Like and after a while, um, I turned it into calendar year subscriptions. That was just easier to keep track of. Yeah. How do you keep track of it all? Like, what do you? Oh, do? I have a big list. I have a big yeah. list. But like, yeah, when you're I, mailing something out, like, how do you? How do you not mail? Because I mean, sometimes I find I've had subscriptions and f through other publishers who will often send me more than one copy. But with you, I, you're usually very good about not not sending. I, I've rarely had duplicates. Actually, rarely have had duplicates from you. I print out the list. It's four pages. It takes about two hours to address a mail out. <sighs> um, it's usually three chapbooks per envelope. And then I just, you know, set aside bags until I have the cash flow to be able to mail them. So I've got like multiple bags sitting in the house right now that are ready to go. And you also, the other thing you do is you write all the labels, it's all the mailing address, they're all by hand. You're, you're yeah. not, you're just, you know, like, I feel like someone should buy you a label maker. <laughs> I don't know, like well, a, Christine did get me a, a, stamp, a stamp for the yeah. return yeah. address a number yeah. of years ago, which saved an enormous amount of work. Yeah. Uh, when I was caregiving dad during his ALS, I was actually deliberately like yeah. sitting in front of the TV and I would I would just address two different mail outs because there's kind of nothing else to do if he was fine, if he was fed, if he wasn't ready for bed yet, you know, because he'd be sitting there doing his puzzles, you know, watching his TV shows. And I would just do an above. I just address an above ground mail out that 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 is part of what I do on the farm. If I didn't feel like reading or I didn't feel like working. It, it's because it's kind of just, you know, it's kind of monkey work, right? Like it's just, it's, it doesn't take yeah. a, a brain power. So it can just 
sort of be done. And yeah, I just do it in front of the TV. I'm at the stage in my aging process where what I read and what I write sometimes diverge when I'm copying things down. Names, I, I, by words, checks, I have to do by hand. And even though the name is right in front of me, I will still get it wrong unless I, I have to go very slowly. And, you know, if it, oh, really? it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that's in my fifties, it started to happen and it's, 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 uh, it's not getting any worse, but it's, it's, and I can't get double letters straight and all McLennan and all those MCs. And I mean, obviously I know yours, but MAC, MC, double letters. Like I have a hell of a time. And if names are close, like I just like, I have trouble with all the different variations of Petersons and, you know, whatever. And I, and Sen and Son. And I just, even though I can see it written there, my brain does something in between and just totally goes in the wrong direction. So I would, it would take me Where, so long to do that. Whereas I get bored. And so I've sent at least a dozen envelopes to Mark Goldstein, calling him Marky Mark Goldstein. Oh, yeah. uh, or, or I write Aaron Tucker, but I put like 12 A's at the beginning of Aaron. Uh, I do stuff like that. If I get, if I, if I'm just feeling bored through the process or <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Ross, like I just, you know, <laughs> I, I do stuff like that to kind of keep myself entertained through the process. That's what it's, it's all, it's what it's about too, right? You have to find it interesting and entertaining for yourself to do. It can't just be a chore. Like if it just feels, it's just feeling like a chore, you wouldn't be here doing this for 29 years. Obviously it needs to be fun, right? It's, well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so you've had, Above Ground Press has had several different series over the years, beginning with stanzas for long work. Well, I think that was the first one. Yeah, then, it was. The Peter F. Yacht Club, Touch the Donkey, and most recently guest, and, and the report from uh, the uh, Society series. What makes you decide to do ongoing series, and why in particular did you start guest and the report from Society series? Well, when I started the press, um, I wanted to do a little journal also, uh, and I couldn't imagine selling attempting to sell chapbooks and attempting to sell a magazine. So that's why stanzas became free. And then I'd put ads in stanzas to promote the chapbooks that I was attempting to sell. So that, so that was sort of the original logic between, you know, I'd hand out the magazine and maybe it would help sell the chapbooks. Um, and guest, I just thought that was sort of a fun project to be able to bring in other conversations. Uh, you know, it's completely guest edited by, as you know, a current or former uh, small press editor slash publisher. And, and there is something really entertaining about just handing it over, letting letting someone else do it. Yeah. And, you know, you did the first issue. And so I like it allowed me to publish basically like an Angel House Press anthology. In this, yeah, you know, that in this was nice. Way. Yeah, that was and, cool. And what's been fun, though, too, is getting former people to do it. So Jeffrey Young did issue like three, I think. And Jeffrey Young used to do a press called The Figures. He did it for 35 years until like 2005. So the people that were in his issue were people that like he he knew in the 70s. That yeah. People that don't publish in a little nonsense like mine anymore. But they <laughs> did during the 70s. <laughs> so getting Lydia Davis work. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, to see that. Um, I was sent uh, a form from her agent to sign and I had to send proofs Ooh. for those, which is kind Oops. of which, which I thought was kind of <laughs> cool, but also like, really? That's a lot of work. Um, but it, it allowed me to be able to get some of the get, get writing by other people into my own kind of system and in my own kind of distribution. So then people like, but 40% of my subscribers are American. 40%. Uh, and wouldn't necessarily know who the hell Gap Riot Press is. Right. Right. Or Angel House Press. And so being able to then distribute uh, essentially an anthology by that press to above ground. Yeah. Yeah. It spreads the, the knowledge of the work some of these people are doing into my own network. So that, so that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm a little frustrated in certain ways that I've done like 24 issues of that. Oh, it's been a lot. 
and no one has actually said anything about okay this is a cool project no like i was kind of hoping for a cool project but, but i mean like like a review or some sort of like right. oh, oh this well. is neat you know yeah. a, a publisher handing over this entire thing to other people to other presses yeah it is and it's and it's kind of a different I, I, I think it's a different focus from a lot of small presses, which, well, no, I mean, I think a lot of Canadian presses are are starting to become a lot more outward looking than they used to be in the sense of of, of sort of including other presses in their, in their like this, but your idea is, is I, to me, anyway, I, I haven't heard of another publisher doing anything like that. So I think it's it's a really, I thought, and I, I it's something I find about what you do. You're very generous in the way you, you're like, it's really not about, it's about the work. It's about the community. It, it's not just about like, it, it's not really ego driven, I find. So, you know, I, not that to say that other presses necessarily are, but it's just, it's often the, it's my way of doing things. And I, I, from my point of view, but I find you're, you're, you're interested in, in, in strengthening the community and enriching the community by, by being part of a community and not sort of trying to do things that are like, against which is sometimes you see that so you know well yeah some some presses are very localized you know which is fine yeah. but then i know there's a particular chapbook press that i can't convince them to even let me know when chapbooks happen let alone send me review copies and right. i was reviewing them and i was reviewing them positively and i am nowhere near them geographically so i just it, it, it feels a little like I'm not in their group, therefore they do not care. Yeah, and that's a I think that that's not a well. This this is again the part of the longevity. I think that's of Brown Press is 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 that that you've spread yourself wide like that, and that you have all those contacts and people who are also interested in become interested in the press. Like I, because you know, as as uh, as you've pointed out to me, I have ten chapbooks from Above Ground Press now. Ten. Yeah. 10 that's cool incredible to me but I, I even early on I remember um it was nice to get uh like people sending me comments about Eleanor which was the first one in in, in 2007 and like there were there were you know poets that were well-known poets and other all kinds of people but they had because you'd sent them copies of of my chapbook so it's they just, were some subscribers basically yeah, right it's great it's a great it's a great opportunity for um for people emerging and established which is which is pretty neat um in my but before before you go there, I just want to like answer to the report. Oh yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, that's fine. Uh, the report thing. Um, it just felt like we needed some positive, and I know uh, Stephen Brockwell had had a rough period. Stuart Ross was having a rough period, um, and I thought it would be like a little fast rift where yeah. you know roughly half new, rough half previously published you know a mixture of interviews like reviews uh poems um poems dedicated or you know just something responding to that that particular author's work uh, it just seemed like a, a positive thing uh for the author and there's something fun about it too that if you know the person's work it's this neat little bonus yeah. But if you've never heard of that person, it's it can also serve as introductory, right? Because it's like for the Stuart one, it's a two-page bio. Yeah. Like here's Stuart. Here's who Stuart is. Yeah. That's and then a there's a bunch of stuff on Stuart's yeah. work, right? So if you've never heard of Stuart, because I'm thinking specifically of, of subscribers, you know, there are various Americans that have now gone through Stuart's. Festrift, your Festrift, yeah. Rockwell's Festrift, and and maybe most or all have never heard of any of the three of you, and it's just neat little introduction, like oh cool, okay, and if that prompts any of them to want to read any of the work, any of the work by that subject, then that is amazing. That's the hope, right? But you know, one never knows what people actually do when they go through these things. The first, it's, um, out of my hands. it's out of your hands. Uh, the, uh, the first thing, like I've, I've just been going through my above ground press subscription for this year. Uh, finally, <laughs> I'm just getting to it. And um, it's only August, you know, the eighth month. But um, 
I was I was looking today at a reading calling to the sun poems for Isabella Wang, which came out in January of this. And I was wondering if maybe that was maybe uh, could have been a potential inspiration for the series, because that was I guess were you already planning it at that point. But that was like specifically a group of people and edited by Stephen Collis. Um, sort no, of that, are, that 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 started after that. That was after I started. Uh, I started working on the Stuart uh Brockwell and yours in like October or November wow and it was after that that Collis actually prodded at me I think in December saying hey we should do something for Isabella she's going through a health crisis so uh so no that that came after and and uh Collis didn't know I was working on any of these things because I was only I was soliciting so quietly yeah, and, and he wasn't, and he wasn't solicited for any of those three. <laughs> I remember when, because mine came, because uh, we had a, we, 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 we have a, a, a courier, a messenger, uh, pick up my box for what was with the before, and I opened up the box and I saw my name on the side of things, but it came with Stephen Brockwell because you sent Stephen Brockwell right. support from the, the Stephen Brockwell Society, and I thought, why is my name on the side of his book? I'm like, chapbook. I was really confused, and I had no, and I didn't open the rest of the like. I took out the before first, right? Obviously, that was my, yeah. and I sort of didn't look at the other thing, so I didn't realize that this was a whole. It was you know ma, ma and I was like what I was really surprised because I thought it was somehow Stephen Brockwell's book but because my I was involved in it somehow you printed it with my name on the side so <laughs> it was really strange and so I was sitting at my desk and I, I took out and I said hey wait and you know how it is I don't know if this happens to you sometimes when I see my own name I don't recognize myself like okay and I so I it took me a good few clicks to realize that this was a whole chapbook devoted to me and my work and I was like no what this is like it was really fun it was a really fun it's a really fun surprise I mean I like the way I think that element of surprise is such a delight for it must be such a delight but for others to receive as well I just saw it was the last one um I saw that just the one that just came Sarah out. Mangold yeah was she was so happy about uh, about hers you know it's just uh it's just, it is it's a lovely thing and I thank you for that and, and for all of them, I mean, it's, it's a terrific idea. And again, it, it seems like you come up with ideas that I feel like, unless I and I, it's true. I maybe maybe my my experience is limited with small press compared to yours, but I feel like it's original ideas. Like I feel like you're coming up with original ideas. And, uh, well, the Festrift idea is it new, yeah, but there hasn't been any in such a long time. Um, like I know Lisa Robertson, for instance, in Chicago. Um, uh, poetry review that, that was sort of that that was a critical section yeah. in chicago review uh that was 100 pages in what like 2006 or something yeah, yeah I, I remember chicago that review. i like that it, it is very like that and that was very specifically a critical section i think she was involved in it okay which is yeah. very different than like you know i think when irving layton turned 80 or something yeah. like that they did a fast drift and they handed it to him and he had no idea or or like mcfadden they did one for mcfadden at one point um uh, a limited run one, one was done for Stephen Kane a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, I think when he turned 40, I think. Um, but Festrift seems to be predominantly like a 70s, 80s, 90s. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an older thing for sure. So and and I don't. Festrift, that's, that's great. Well, and I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's a funding difference that maybe uh, publishers can't afford to do them. The, you know, the shift of libraries not buying in the same way that publishers can't afford to do them. Um, I know my festrifts are enormously expensive and, and uh, they're like three or four times at least what it costs to make a chapbook and people yeah. aren't ordering them. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Um, so it's I've got another six or seven I'm working on and wow. part, of the, part of the holdup is financial because they're just so bloody expensive. Mm. But they're fun to do. I'm kind of hoping once I'm at some in-person small press fairs this fall, uh, maybe maybe people can see them as like, oh, so this is what they are. And like, oh, wow, this is neat. I, oh, totally. Take one of them. Because uh, it's hard to get a sense of it unless you really see it. Yeah, I know it's true. It's, 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 it's one of those things that's best to just have in your hand and you can look at it. That makes sense. Yeah. 
so you above ground press was one of the first presses in my experience that published both in print and online starting with Ottawater, which you founded in 2005 and the poetry essay site that name i can't remember anymore was it just poetics.ca What's yeah it? well yeah. the steven the Brockwell and i do in poetics.ca yeah, i mean that and was then great. when he stopped doing that i did 17 seconds yeah and when that fell off the internet I started periodicies. That's right. So um, for me, it was a model when I started to do the online publications for Angel House Press. Like that was something that I experiment always basically kind of modeled after Auto Water, which included both art and and uh, literature. Right. So it was uh, right. that was definitely a model for me. Uh, what made you start decide to start doing online publications? Um. I know that Tanya Sprawl, who designed all of Ottawater, she'd been poking at me for a few years saying like, you should let me design chapbooks. We should do a thing. And uh, I didn't want anyone else designing chapbooks. I felt I was doing the chapbooks in a way that made sense. And I thought working with someone else would actually just be a whole bunch of extra steps and extra time. So I thought it made more sense to actually start something new uh, to involve her in. And uh, then just the, just the idea that Ottawa, Ottawa was always seen as a place that you, you go by. Yeah. If you're doing a, like people doing book tours that are like Montreal, Peterborough, Toronto or Montreal, Peter Kingston, Peter Toronto. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you literally drove by us. <laughs> And uh, being told repeatedly that it's not a, not a poetry town or a town of writers or for writers or anything. And so I, I did invent Ottawater to counter that. Yeah. Uh, like very deliberately. And then giving Tanya free reign to design and curate the art. Yeah. In she's a great whatever author. way she wanted, 100% whatever she wanted to do. So it became like a fun thing for the both of us. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, having it free online was really just a force um, acknowledgement that it's like, no, we a lot of people do stuff here. Like a lot of people do stuff here. Just because we have no media, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. When, when we... we um... When we started bywords.ca in 2003, we were, and we decided, well, we had sort of reasons why, but we decided to um, have it specifically for current and former Ottawa students, residents, and workers. We yeah. were told, oh, there aren't enough, you won't get enough submissions. You won't get, you know, you won't, there won't be enough poetry. You won't, you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, no, it, it, we get, we get a lot. I mean, I would like to have more, so that would be good, but um, it's not like we run out. We, there's people all the time who've, and the connection to Ottawa just has to be, um, you've lived, worked, or studied here. You can work. Yeah. I had, I had one guy who um, said, well, I played um, football against the GGs. I said, well, there you, you did you, did you get any kind of money or, or some kind of support for that? I said, yeah. I said, then, then you worked here. So it doesn't have to be much, you know? But, yeah, I know when we started Chaudière, that was the argument. Like, I don't think yeah. Ottawa can support a press. And it's like, so you're saying the city of Ottawa, which has the population of Saskatchewan, you saying that can't support a single lit literary press. Yeah. Where Saskatchewan has a bunch. A bunch. The problem we had, we couldn't get Canada Council funding. I know. I know it sucked. Which has nothing to do with where we lived. No. No. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. So, yeah, I've, I've been working hard. You've been working hard at trying to let people know that, yes, Ottawa has a lot of it's a thriving literary community with lots of writers. I mean, my joke is throw a stone, you'll hit a poet, you know? So, <laughs> Yeah. And there was something really nice when I was at U of A that year that between you and Pearl and a couple others uh, doing stuff on blogs and stuff, I knew what was going on in Ottawa. Yeah. Whereas I had no clue what was going on in Edmonton until I got there and there was all this activity and then once I left, I never heard of any of it ever again, kind of, you know? <laughs> yeah, thing, I think things have changed. I mean, well, first of all, the pandemic has sort of, made, I mean, now now we're starting to see uh, some um, readings and things come back and people are yes. starting to, uh, you just had, you, you and Stephen just had your reading yesterday on the weekend, so. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm still I'm still a little careful about about that stuff. For me, it's just a little bit more scary for me to, uh, even though I'm fully like I'm I'm four dosed now and having had respiratory failure myself, I just don't. I'm just really leery. But I probably were, I'm going to start doing things a little bit in the fall, depending on how the pandemic goes. And I already right, bought it. Enough. I already got my ticket for a, a writer's festival event. Uh, Joshua Whitehead is coming to town on the 9th of September. So it's kind of oh, hard. Phenomenal, eh? yeah, yeah. So I, 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 pro, I, I, but if you're like, we're um, members and stuff. So we probably already get, um, we'll get access to the live stream if we, if I can't watch it. So, but I still, I, 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 I've, I've reserved my ticket anyway, and Christchurch Cathedral is a fairly big space, so, and we'll also, for Bywords, we'll probably be having an in-person masked event for that uh, at the end of October anyway. I've, I've canvassed all the participants, and they all would like to, so, okay, we'll do that. We'll see, uh, depending on, you know, how things are at that point with the pandemic and the latest wave or what have you, but... Yeah, yeah. It has made a difference. I mean, for me, I did go to some of the Verse Fest events last November because we, it was before Omicron and after sort of at the end of the last wave. So I, I felt okay with going and um, it was great. I had so much fun being again with people who were, you know, more than just delivery people and, you know, like, a, yeah. you know, doctors and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's nice. Uh, nice to have had a chance to do that. And I, I do miss it. There's a new series that Jeff Blackman and Barja Sine are running called uh, Two for One. Have you heard yeah, of that? Yeah, they're doing one tonight, I think. Yeah, it's tonight. Yeah, well, this is going to be recorded. Or this is going to be, this uh, podcast will probably be, is going to be on after that. But by the time uh, this gets recorded or is 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 online, they will have had their Thursday night, last Thursday of the month at... Um, the happy goat on at 35 Laurel, but I'm sure they'll have it again. The idea behind it is um, you read someone else's work and then you read your own. So it's kind of a nice, uh, a nice thought. I thought it was a nice idea. Uh, And it's nice to see them doing it, even though I can't go. And there've been plenty of launches lately of Manahil Bandakwala's book and and Connie Clayton too. Like a lot of people have started to have, have readings. I feel a little bit, I'm I'm lured. I'm very lured, but I'm still, yeah, and I think Jim Johnstone uh, and Shane yeah. Nelson came to in May. They did. That's right. Yeah, and I yeah. almost went to that, but then I, I was having some other issue with my health, and I couldn't go. So uh, there's that as well. So, um, as part of the press, you've also run Poetry 101, which became the Factor Reading Series. Can you talk about your vision for the reading series, how it started, and and maybe talk about any plans for a return? to uh, having events again well uh the series i was running i started running tree in june 94 uh and ran that until the end of 98 but occasionally there were uh writers coming to town that fell outside the second and fourth tuesday so i would just organize occasional other non-tree events for that yeah um i had launched my own self-published chapbook in january of 93 so that's why i sort of you know traced the lineage of factory back to that particular date because mm-hmm. that is like an event i organized um and then the first above ground event was july 9th 93 uh, so it was just an occasional other, some, someone was coming through a town on, on, diff, on a different date. Who was the first, who was the first after you, who was the first featured reader at the, at... I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you'd have to go through Bywords archives. And even yeah. then I, uh, like I actually, I'm, I, it, it might've been, it might have been when I was hosting stuff at um, Stone Angel on Lisger mm. <laughs> around 93. So I think there was a handful of poets like Jimmy Ioannidis, Warren Fulton, right. myself, maybe one or two other people. Um, I might have made a publication for it. So it might actually be in the above ground bibliography. Uh, is it? Yeah, here it is. Uh, Five Young Ottawa Poets, March 19th, 93. 
Um, it, it was a Joseph. It was uh, Joseph Dandrand, Jimmy S.C. Ioannidis, a woman named Magdalene, and then and then myself and Warren. All right, that's interesting. I made a little pamphlet. I made a little pamphlet as a handout for that thing. I made like a hundred copies, you know. Yeah, I, that that's really interesting. The Stone Angel. I don't remember the Stone Angel, even though I came I came to Ottawa um, in 86, 87, but I wasn't attending events until until really the the, the new the new millennium. So uh, I didn't start doing. Yeah, I didn't it was long it. gone by then. I know Laurie Fear used to do a lot of stuff there because it was a coffee house. It was uh, non-alcoholic. Like they didn't have a license. Like they barely, they, you know, they barely kept going. But they'd run a little coffee house, uh, I think once a week or something. And and Lori was playing guitar at various of these coffee houses. They wanted to go back to like that 1960s. Yeah, for sure. Thing, like um, like Bohemian Embassy in Toronto, right? Like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. So um, and then it became factory the factory reading series at some point. Yeah, well, it's because I was calling it Poetry 101. There's a Gallery 101. Because I was, I was hosting it at Gallery 101. That's where I started to go. And the person who was running the gallery at that point uh, thought it was really cool and just sort of a neat idea and was giving me, like, you know, basically old letterhead uh, to be able to make posters and stuff. And then uh, there's... Uh, they left and someone else came in and said, well, you can't call it this. We don't want people thinking it's official one gallery 101 programming. Oh, okay. like, what? <laughs> 101 is like copyrighted, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, so I had to change it to something. And so I started calling it factory. Uh, and I eventually, it was through other staff changes. Um, I ended up leaving gallery 101 because one person said that because I was running poetry events there, I helped them call themselves an interdisciplinary space. Yeah. Right. When they're doing Canada council applications and stuff, this is an interdisciplinary space. Hey, right. Rob organizes readings here, poetry readings. And then this other person came in after that person left and said, well, if you're going to use a space, you have to sit in a gallery and do volunteer work to, to pay for it. And it's like, okay, you want me, you want me to do volunteer work so I can do volunteer work? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Absurd. It did seem a bit absurd. And I, I got, and then I was finally told, well, you running events here, it's not, a, it's not fair to all the other people who don't run events here. <laughs> okay. That, that makes no sense. So I, I, I went to, uh, I went to Auto Art Gallery under Emily. Yes, Emily Falvey, our dear friend. Uh, when, when, and that was great. When Emily was there, that was great. And she was just doing it on her own time, basically. Oh, but then yeah. when she left uh, the gallery, basically, like, well, you have to pay people to sit here for this. And it, it's actually much more difficult now. And I'm like, all right. So, that, and so I moved to the Carlton. So I, I think I've been doing it at Carlton. I've been doing, doing events at the Carlton like 20 years. Yeah, it's it's been, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time and it, the place hasn't, it didn't, well, I don't know. I haven't been in, in a few since uh, before the pandemic, but it hadn't changed much. In, in the, it hasn't changed much in decades. The only yeah. difference over the last 20 years uh, seems to be that they have uh, Wi-Fi. Okay. That's good. Right. Like they, they haven't, they haven't updated their decor. You know, if you go to an old style tavern, like I stopped going to the Prescott, because yeah. they, they, they cleaned up and they went upscale. That's not why one goes to drink at a tavern. No. Well, I'd like to go to somewhere upscale. Therefore, I will go to a tavern. It's not what anyone says. Yeah. We still have a few, though. Eh? We have the Dom and we have uh, the, uh, Lafayette. And we have a few still left around. The Lafayette got cleaned up. Did it? The, Dom, the Dom was never an old style tavern. They took uh -oh. over the license of another tavern <laughs> at one point maybe in the 80s or something so they're basically like a punk club the dominion oh, okay right I been there i haven't been there very often myself well i was there for the greg kerr memorial a few weeks right. ago and it's, it's right. cash only and it's all like it's 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 a punk bar which is cool 
but uh, yeah, and uh, my my only real frustration with the Carlton is its lack of accessibility. Yeah, I know it's horrible. The stairs there, I mean, you can't. A lot of people can't, could are not able to go because. Yeah, that. and then Vimy moved. Oh, they did. I didn't know that. This is uh, yeah. the Vimy they, they got, The landlord kicked them out of the building because they wanted to do something else to the building, and that was great for accessibility. That's right. Yeah. And their new space is off industrial and it, it, it barely has like three tables. Right. So it's anyway, industrial, like it's not a place where a lot of people could get to easily. So, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. There's an, there's a lack of ease of access and then just, it just, it's not even a physical space to be able to hold an event in where the old Vimy space was amazing, That's wonderfully crazy. accessible, really good parking, you know, a big separate room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I, I like doing stuff in the Carlton, but I know that that is a fair uh, criticism that it is not an accessible space. But then I don't know what else to do. Like I yeah, can't. A lot of, the, the Happy Goat on Laurel is an accessible space and it has um, it has gender inclusive washrooms and stuff, too. And a lot, it seems to me like almost all the literary events right now are happening there, like so many of them. And then the Ottawa Art Gallery, I, I know that um, also has been having a few, I think they might have had a few events. And also um, the, the Saw Gallery, I know that the Riverbed Reading Series has been doing their events there. And I'm not sure about the accessibility there, but uh, so, yeah. The, both of the, like the, any, any gallery space has to be accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, it, there's either going to be a cost or someone saying, well, no, we already do a series here right we can't we can't afford to do two series here and and um for like tree used to be at saw and we had to pay yes. for that space yeah that's right that's right yeah we had to pay for that space and i you know i'm just a dude i don't have any money for that anything oh, like that that's it we can't and then you if you want to charge an entry fee well no one's going to pay it's it's really hard for people to then you're just excluding a lot of people too right so it's that, well because then that's another argument yeah about accessibility exactly exactly right so, yeah, no it's tricky but i i do you imagine can you imagine uh getting back to having uh, in-person readings for the factory reading series again are you are you thinking at all about that yet or? I'd, I'd like to start something this fall i'm i'm a, you know <clears throat> i'm doing a small press fair yeah i saw so that it's just a matter of confirming the pre-fair reading the night prior just have i just haven't done it yet yeah, I just have to I just have to call Simon and and make sure that that room is not being used by anyone else, and I doubt that it is. <laughs> That's it. Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll look forward to seeing what's what's coming as far as that. Switching gears a little, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your latest book, The Book of Smaller. I I loved it. I love the form. I liked how it was a bit of a pro, hybrid prose poem and flash fiction style. And I've always thought you have a gift for writing very minimally, but saying a lot of memorable stuff. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I really liked it. I also like the way you engage with the sentence all the way through. I thought that was a really interesting idea. Like, it's there all the way through. So, yeah, I really enjoyed oh, it. Um, what, uh, what's, what's, what's my question here? Did I have a question? I'm just going to fawn over you for a while longer. Let's see. <laughs> um, um, I know that you read a lot and, and you engage with the writing of others through reviews and essays. To me, this is a form of study and an active way to read. When did you first start writing about the work of others and what inspired you to do so? Um, I, I think my first review might have been a Ken Norris selected in 93 when I was co-editing the Carlton Arts Review. Right. Um, I had just started corresponding with Ken around that time. He just had a, a selected poems out called Full Sun and he was complaining that he could, that no one had reviewed it yet. So therefore I should. Um, and so I reviewed it for an issue of Carlton Arts Review. Uh, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, I, I didn't have any money, but I wanted to, well, I wanted books, but I also wanted to figure out a, a way in which I could be, uh, contributing, you know, mm -hmm. and I thought that was a way to contribute and it and it allowed me uh, a particular kind of study as to what was happening at that moment. You know, I spent the '90s sitting in the library 
the Morissette Library in the Canadian section at Ottawa U and just like just going through Canadian poetry from the 60s onwards and just, you know, kind of deep study. Okay, cool. Barry McKinnon, what does he have? Oh, look at all these Robert Croats books. Oh, look at all this Margaret Atwood, all this BP Nickel stuff. And just going through all this material, seeing who was out there. Uh, but, uh, and then uh, I saw an interview that Derek Raymaker at the Ottawa Express had done where he said it is the responsibility of the artist to let the media know about them. So I immediately wrote to Derek Raymaker, like a 14 page, you know, here's what I'm doing kind of thing, talking about the Colin Arts talking about, um, you know, running readings and doing chapbooks and stuff. And he offered me uh, a book column, uh, which paid terribly, but I did that for four and a half years. And I was getting all these books. I could I could get any book I wanted. I was writing on poetry and fiction and nonfiction and comic books and visual art. And, you know, there was something nice about as long as I gave them 800 words every week or two, they kind of didn't care what I did. So it allowed me to uh, kind of fail and then get better. Right. Uh, and there'd be a lot of times where I was told I was either the first review for a book or the only review of a book. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. So it 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 uh, made me a lot more aware of what was happening around me. I really tried to balance, you know, emerging established, local, non-local, poetry, fiction. Um, you know, I reviewed multiple John Barton books. I was reviewing, you know, Mark Cochran. I was, I was getting all these books from Talon and Coach House and, and a Nancy. And, and it was just sort of, it, I think it, it, it helped make me a better writer because I was yeah. being aware of more work at, at a higher level. Uh, and I was doing three books a week. It's like three books a column. Wow. Uh, and then when I finished that, it took a couple of years to figure out, like, I didn't want to spend 80% of my time finding a venue. I wanted to be writing. I wanted to be reviewing. I thought spending 80% of my reviewing time seeking a venue was uh, wasteful. Yeah. And that's when Jennifer Mulligan built me the blog. Yeah. And so I, I don't have, I don't have to search out a space. No, you can just do it yourself. Yeah, it's, it's, a hundred, it's like a hundred percent of my reviewing time is actually spent reviewing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, the reason so I that's brought... it. So sorry, this like no. I I, no, I realized I posted a hundred and forty poetry book reviews last year alone. Wow, that's. I just I don't know. I mean, again, everyone's always asking you how you find the time. I don't know. I don't know how you find the time to do all that. Like that's just uh, that's a lot. Uh, the reason I brought up uh, the, uh, the your engagement with other writers is because in your work it's it's there you know like I mean you, you have you have a lot of quotes from writers you reference them in, within the and even with here there's there's references too but I was thinking about um, why is this book for instance, even the book of smaller is I mean you know it's um, thinking of um, um, like uh, you know other you know book of small and things like that so yeah but um, I feel like like I, this form, like I, I mean, I've seen you write like this before. Uh, what made you decide to choose the, the, this form for this book? And it is, it is like a, a day book in a lot of ways. It goes in chronological order, right? Mostly, it mostly goes in chrono yeah, chronological yeah. order. Um, it's it, it's sort of a variety of threads that kind of met at the right point. Hmm. I had been a number of years thinking about the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at Lisa Robertson, looking at uh, Amelia Martins, looking at Lisa Jarno, and just sort of seeing how various people were working a sentence, and then like thinking back to Robert Croach, and and mm -hmm. just sort of looking at the sentence in a particular way. And I'd been a few years thinking, okay, I would like to do a book of, of exclusively uh, prose poems. Yeah, and then. Uh, you know, I was home with Rose full time after Christine went back to work after that year long mat leave. And then we had Aoife. 
So she had a second year long mat leave and we're all home. And at the end of it, she went back to work and I was home full time with a one-year-old and a three and a half year old. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like I did with my book of pandemic essays from the first three months of pandemic. If I am distracted away from work because of this particular situation, why not make situation the work? Part of the work. Yeah, and there's definitely the book of smaller definitely incorporates your domestic life as yeah. a father and, and care of, of, uh, of kids. So, I mean, it's all the short poem too, right? Yeah. So yeah. some, some days that like it, that's, I only had attention for the short form. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Some of those poems were started in parks, you know, they'd be playing in a park or, or, uh, you know, Rose would be a morning at preschool and Aoife would sleep for 45 minutes and, Oh, well, that's my writing day. That's it. <laughs> like that's, that'd be all I had. Right. And, and I was trying to get everything done within that period. So, so the notion of anything larger uh, wasn't possible. So I just kind of went with it. I went with what those, those, those boundaries of situation uh, suggested, or at least offered, I suppose. Right? Like one of those poems was written, so it was, I started writing it in a hotel room with all the lights off and the curtains drawn as Aoife was napping. <laughs> uh, because Christine and Rose were off having adventures to allow Aoife to nap. Right. And I just kind of sitting in the dark, making notes on hotel stationery. And that became one of the poems. That's it. Always, always have that in mind when you're, so what are, uh, what are you currently, what are your current, uh, currently working on yourself? What, what things are you Bear in mind, I, I don't want it to be a long, long episode because <laughs> you're probably working um, on things. I am, I'm probably 50 pages into a poetry manuscript, which is three manuscripts beyond Book of Smaller. Oh, three manuscripts. Um, it's the, like, it almost feels like a quartet of collections Um one leading to the next, leading to the next. Start, that starts with Book of Smaller. Um, I'd like to get a novel finished this year, if I can, that I started working on in July of 2020. Um, I'm poking at short stories, sort of. Uh, and I've got a, I've got a book-length essay I've been making notes for for a couple months now but haven't had the attention span to be able to sit down and kind of see where those notes might lead um july was working on fiction august seems to be working on a ton of reviews and then once the kids go back to in-person schooling uh i'm hoping i can shift my days like get a swath of time where I don't have to think about reviews that I can maybe start working on, on uh, the novel again. And, and maybe this book length essay. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking about notions of, of form and community and Interesting. I'm still kind of feeling it out. Yeah. It's, look forward to that. I love, I love essays. That's the other thing. I love essay collections and I never, I don't read them as much as I want to, but I always, and I always on, on your blog, you've actually mentioned a few that I wanted to read. And there's that one publisher in the States that seems devoted to essay collections. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, that I've been thinking, oh, I should be buying a bunch of these books, but uh, they're going to sit in my to be read pile for too long. So. Well, we all have those piles, right? Yeah. Like, and, and a wave has been doing a series that I've really liked for, uh, called the Bagley Wright Lecture Series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got Joshua, Joshua Beckman's three talks, like, beside mm. my desk at all times. So it's sort of it's sort of leading me into particular directions of thought and, and structure. Sounds uh, good. Those talks and, and Beckman specifically. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. What about Above Ground Press? Can you think of, uh, name any, or, or you want to talk about any forthcoming publications? From, that are... uh, well, if I go to my list, <laughs> go to my bibliography, 
Um, I've got a Stuart Ross chapbook forthcoming. Okay, nice. Uh, I've been waiting three months for him to proof the damn thing and get me a bio. Um, I've got um, Christopher Patton, a chapbook by him. I've got Jordan Davis coming up. Uh, new chapbooks by Marita Datchel and Laurie Anderson Mosman. I don't even know if how, how to pronounce that. Uh, I did. Basically, they both sent me chapbook manuscripts early in the year, like two each. And I took them both. Wow. From, from both of them. Uh, which, which I've done for some people before, and then I, but I like to space them out. Like I'll do one. Yeah, you don't want to do both at the same then, time. And then do one a few months later. Like you know, there's nothing wrong with doing them, doing both simultaneously. But I, I like to kind of stagger, unless there's a reason for doing them together. Makes sense. There sometimes are. Uh, so those are sort of some of the immediate things coming up i always keep a running uh list of names on the above ground blog yeah uh as soon as i accept something i put a name up um in just as much to kind of for me to be able to keep track as anything else honestly uh, <laughs> oh yeah I, I put out a lee chadwick chat book that i haven't yeah, announced yeah. yet Yes, yes. I, I actually did manage to have time to read that today. And I it's a fun it. little thing, eh? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, I was like, what's what's going on here? Who is this person? But yeah, the, the, as far as who she mentions, it was a very, it was a very fun, uh, fun thing, a take on celebrity culture too, and everything else. Well, she, she just started posting these tweets. And I responded to her like, hey, these are kind of fun. They'd make these it make a neat chat book. book. And, yeah. and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> like it hadn't occurred to her. So do you, is that something you do then you sort of su suggest to people that they can uh, publish uh, something based on their social media? Is this something you've done before? Like you... <laughs> not, not, not so overtly, like, um, like, you know, anytime I go through an issue offense, I'm writing down a list of like a dozen names uh, mm -hmm. and then I go look those people up like, okay, I'd love to get something from you. I'd love to get something from you. Um, but if I see get, some, pardon? But you must get a lot of a lot of uh, unsolicited manuscripts as well at the same time. So you're you're getting a ton I, of stuff. I do. Most of them aren't really my thing uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, some of them are just not th just not work I'm I'm interested in or excited by. Yeah. And I'm not held to anything. If, if it doesn't interest me, why am I? putting resources no, obviously not that I don't I don't necessarily have into you know making this because if I'm if I'm making a thing uh I'm recommending it and if I'm not interested in it how and can I recommend make it? it no that would be pointless do you have any advice for anyone who is considering starting a small press um don't be afraid to give stuff out or trade yeah. um because I, I, I know I've seen people who start presses and they get really stingy about like, well, I can't give out review copies. You know, these things are expensive to make. <laughs> and and I have to say, I know how chapbook making works. But then also, if you're making them so expensive that you can't afford to even give out a copy for review, then maybe the form in which you're doing them mm -hmm. is not the best form in which to be doing them. Right. Right. If you can't afford to make them, like, you, you, you should, it's not a practical. It's not practical. You shouldn't put yourself in a situation where you have to sell every single copy you've made no. No, to not. to not make a loss. Like I, that, that's why I deliberately make mine very inexpensively. It's it's so I can get yeah. physical copies out into the world, um, inexpensively. Um, don't like I. I'm a big fan of the try and fail, and yeah, just learn by doing, and yeah. you know, seek out seek out your people, seek out the people do also doing the same thing. Uh, because then when you have frustrations or questions, then you can kind of bounce stuff off somebody else. You know, because it, it's a like that's why we started Peter F Yacht Club. Uh, it it was started as a social group. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I remember in, in the late nineties. Cause it was a weird thing that your partner didn't understand. Your mom didn't understand. 
We're <laughs> writing poems and sending them to journals. That's weird. It's a weird thing to do because none of us were in, like, there's no programs anywhere. We're all just like these individuals attempting these weird things. Um, and we were trading poems and we could just talk abstractly about like submitting stuff to magazines. And, and, and so it really, it really was sort of like a, like a social sort of help group, self-help group kind of, you know. Uh, so if you're, if you want to start doing stuff like this, find other people doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because even if nothing else, them saying what you're doing has value. Uh, it helps. It helps enormously. It does. Because so many other corners are saying it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. I know. I once went on this uh, speed dating uh, thing um, before the pandemic, and um, I was asked by one of the women, um, so what is it you do? And I say, I write. And, and she asked if I had um, work published. Yeah, I have I have a, a book or whatever and chapbooks. And, and I, somehow it, it turned out that what I was doing was just a hobby because I don't have like some kind of um, book contract or something. I don't know what it was, but it was it was, yeah, because what I'm doing is just a hobby, you know, so that was, obviously, I didn't check her off on my, my um, box of people I wanted to meet, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it, it's maddening because uh, Canada Council does not hand out grants to hobbies, hobby writers. Yeah. And, and the League of Canadian Poets is not a hobby organization. They are both professional organization yeah i know it's it's right it's, so it's a frustration <laughs> well but it's it's people don't know how these things work yeah why should they they have other things they have to know about right but it's well I, like it's the same reason i've been soliciting people who have either done residencies or you know are poets laureate or are yeah. doing a residence gig to write do little write-ups or periodicies because most writers don't know what's involved in any of those exactly. positions. Exactly. Exactly. So it helps to know how this stuff works, right? Yeah, and every and every position is different too, right? That's good. That's good. Like like the bulk of my interaction with the public when I was a writer and res at U of A was okay. Well, what do you like? Do you teach? No. Well, then what is it? <laughs> no one know. No one knew. Like there was no sort of information program saying this. It, it, it would just be Rob's here doing this like but but what is he doing like you've told us what the role is called but no one knows what he's for <laughs> yeah it's a good point is there anything else you'd like to add before I read my note of praise which is what I do at the end of every, ah. every little uh just that I'm working on the third uh decade anthology wow Right. Or theoretically next fall with Invisible. Very nice. That's great. Uh, and then working on a bunch more fast scripts. But yeah, I'm working on trying to get the manuscript figured out for the uh, for the best of the third decade. Okay. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and, and apart from the fast scripts, I'm kind of focusing on the fast scripts right now. Other like be I don't know what else I might do specifically for the thirtieth. I'm I, I think I'm just trying to, you know, keep head above water, um, focus on the things I've already committed to, well, and just see where the next six months go. I don't know. Like yeah, thirty is awesome. thirty is the next year problem, you know. That's right. Well, for me, that your your thirtieth year is my it, with above ground presses might will be my sixtieth year on the on on Earth, I suppose. Writing. So. Yeah, well, October. So yeah, but uh, so so who knows? Maybe uh, there will be some who knows some involvement there. We'll we'll see. It's it's a big year. It's a big year for us. Note of praise. Above Ground Press is a gargantuan effort that has been a mainstay for not just the Ottawa literary community but the Canadian and North American communities too. And 
beyond. It has been such a presence for so long that it's easy to take the work that Rob does for granted. Rob McLennan is a diligent and faithful servant to literature. As the sole editor for the press, he manages to publish a big batch of chapbooks every year, along with the, all the other work he does. The catalog is full of eclectic work from emerging and established writers. I've learned of many writers that have ended up being great influences on my writing, such as Robert Croach, Dennis Cooley, Amy Dennis, and more. Companion interview series add additional engagement with writers and small press publishers and reviews. Rob McLennan is a great contributor to literature as a writer and publisher. I simply can't imagine my own writing life being as invigorating and informed as if he didn't do what he does. So that's my, that's my Thank you. little uh, nice thing to say. About I, I, I should point out that Amy Dennis had the first book out this year with Mansfield. I know. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. You knew about that, eh? I, I saw something go by. Maybe I saw it in, in um, I think it might have been the 49th shelf, uh, you know, books to look for. Oh, cool. Okay. I think okay. I saw it there. I, I, yeah, Christine I did a blurb. She blurbed it. So that's not fun. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I look forward to that book. I love her work so much. So, you know, I I, I did even a little broadside with Above Ground Press that was, you know, with her work. So uh, engaging with her work. So, yes. Well, thank you, Rob, for being on the show. To Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro help. To Charles Earl for processing. And to all of you for listening and sharing the episodes each month. Stay tuned for future episodes with Berbois Press, Ethel Zine, and Hem Press in 2022. Plus another episode in our ongoing poetic series in December and a whole new thread i'll announce later for 2023 thank you very much thank you for listening to the small machine talks the small machine talks